0: This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Barbara Ramirez.
1: And I'm Said Alejandro Lalquierzioi. Tonight, we focus on what is happening here in our community.
0: In honor of Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, We'll hear from Desiree Woodland of Breaking the Silence, New Mexico, and Bean Chavez of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, New Mexico chapter.
1: Then, we introduce our newest segment where we share some of Generation Justice members' travel experiences. We sit down with youth producer Peter Wing, who shares about his time in South Korea and Vietnam this past summer.
0: And we have lots of community events to share with you. As always, our youth producers have chosen some excellent music for this program.
1: That's right, starting with the song one 273 by Logic, featuring Alessia, Kara, and Khalid. Logic has said he didn't realize his music would help people cope with hardship, so he wrote this song from a perspective of a helpline operator. It like my life
2: I want you to be alive,
3: you don't gotta die today. You don't gotta die. I want you to be alive. I want you to be alive. You don't gotta die. Now let me tell you why. It's the very first breath when your head been drowning underwater.
0: And it's the in the air when you're there just, just, September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. Every year, mental health organizations raise awareness about suicide prevention. For the past decade, suicide rates have consistently risen in the United States. According to the New Mexico Department of Health, between 2009 and 2017, New Mexico's suicide rates have increased by 28%.
1: And New Mexico has the fourth highest suicide rate in the nation. Now. My co-host, Barbara Ramirez, speaks with Desiree Woodland of Breaking the Science New Mexico and Biana Chavez of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, New Mexico chapter.
0: This is Barbara Ramirez with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Desiree Woodland and B. Chavez. Desiree Woodland is retired but continues to work on her passion. She founded Breaking the Silence New Mexico, which teaches students awareness on mental health and suicide. She is also on the Board of Survivors of Suicide Albuquerque and holds a Master's Level Certificate in Grief and Loss. Desiree authored the book, I Still Believe, in honor of her son, Ryan. Welcome, Desiree. Thank you for having me. Biana Chavez became involved in the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention in 2012 and helped to create the New Mexico Chapter for American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, or better known, AFSP. For the last seven years, B has chaired the Albuquerque out of the darkness walk. B also works for the New Mexico Coalition to End Homelessness. Welcome, B. Thank you for having me Welcome. today.
4: Welcome to Generation Justice. Please share more about your journeys with us. Well, my journey began 13 years ago when uh, my son took his life and I had an education in what mental illness was all the different um, signs and things that I could have seen but didn't understand. Um, And I wanted to take that information that I had learned and share that with the youth that I taught and realize that I wasn't the only parent who didn't understand what mental illness was and that I could take that information and share it in a bigger way with kids across New Mexico. My journey started about... Ten years ago, after I lost
5: my dad, I realized that we had missed a lot of signs when it came to his death by suicide. And so I realized that in my life I wanted a purpose, and it was to educate those, because if I would have known those signs, could I have saved him? And so that's when I decided to start volunteering with um, AFSP, and here I am eight years later. Thank you very much for sharing your stories. And I'm so
0: sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank you. Desiree, tell us more about the mission of Breaking the Silence. And B,
4: tell us about the mission of New Mexico Chapter. So Breaking the Silence mission is to educate youth, um, to empower them to have a voice so they can... Um, be able to express those feelings inside because in a regular classroom of 25 um, there will be maybe five youth who will be struggling with a mental illness and not understand and be afraid of what might be happening with them so this mission is to empower youth through uh, the arts through education and being able to give them a voice Um, we've been working in schools for about eight years consistently now and last semester, we we presented to more than 6,000 students, um, so we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to spread throughout New Mexico.
5: And the mission for AFSP is to bring hope to anyone who has been affected by suicide. So that doesn't mean matter if you've struggled, you've lost somebody, or you just support the cause. We want to just break the stigma and raise you know awareness about it we focus on advocacy education prevention and um programs for survivors because the grief is so hard thank you very much for the important work that you do
4: what is the most important thing you want our listeners to hear I think um, that early um, recognition of mental illness, that's why going into schools is so important because half of all serious mental illness begins at age 14, but treatment doesn't begin until 10 years later. And as Bea mentioned, the stigma is part of that. We want to break the stigma. So I think the most important thing is being able to have the opportunity to go into classrooms and and help kids, youth, and empower them to have a voice... And also to be able to know what the resources are to be able to get the help they need. Because the earlier treatment begins, the less chance of that a mental illness becoming chronic or ending in suicide. So really, early education is prevention. And I think for AFSP, um, suicide
5: is a disease just like any other disease. And it's the most preventable disease that we have. And so if we can talk more about it and know that It's just like anything, if we have cancer or anything, that it's okay to say, hey, you know what, I'm struggling, you know, I have this condition, I have depression, I have anxiety, I have PTSD, whatever it is, it's all right to talk about it and tell your story and bring awareness and say, hey, you know what, I need help. Thank you very much for
0: sharing that. And I believe, I'm sure that we all deserve access to the help we need. It's a right we all have, and we should be able to find help just like for other disease. Will you share some of the data around suicide in New Mexico?
5: In New Mexico, um, we're fourth in the nation for suicide loss. Um, a new article came out today, and it looks like we increased. I haven't seen those numbers, but in 2017, I know we lost about 454 people. In oh. Bernalillo County, it was and 57 people just here in the county and for everyone that we've loses it's about estimated that 300 people are impacted from that one loss and so that's a huge Um, another statistic is we're losing a lot of white men between ages 25 to 35 right now here in new mexico this is what the numbers
4: is showing us so Um, i have a statistic that's just a nationwide since i work with youth Um, that 3,000 children and young adults ages 10 through 24 will take their own life each year in this country. And the thing that's staggering about that is that that's the equivalent, the human loss equivalent in children of September 11th happening every year. Um, and sometimes statistics can just be so disheartening. We hear about all of this and we think, what is it that we can do? And so part of what B and I do is raising awareness because there's such a power in people's stories. We want people to share their stories because I think we can change the narrative about suicide and mental illness in New Mexico and not remain the fourth um, highest for that cause of death. Um, Another statistic, though, that is disheartening is that we're the first in the nation for youth suicide, age 15 through 19. So, again, just being able to go into schools and talk about it to take away the shame and the stigma of um, not feeling... I mean, I know that for my son, he felt weak. He felt he didn't have words to talk about it, and he was ashamed of how he felt. And, you know, really, it's important that we allow everybody to be able to talk about feelings without shame.
0: Sometimes as young people, we are afraid to ask for help, but it's important to know that it's okay to ask for help if you need it. What are some of the factors related to the New Mexico data?
5: So um, one of it is just rural areas. We live in a very large state, and we have lots of rural areas. So the resources and the lack of resources that we have in New Mexico is very hard. Sometimes you have to drive a couple hours just to see a behavioral health counselor. And so we need to focus on having better resources, especially for children. How do we get those resources to them? Is it in schools? Is it
4: out of schools? What do we need to improve on as a statewide thing? And then I think, um, you know, the gun violence issue is really um, an important factor. I think there's it's over half of people use a gun to take their life in New Mexico. And, you know, being able to have a a red flag law or perhaps, I mean, we're not taking people's guns away, but we definitely want to limit the means of how someone could could take their life. So having um, some gun... um, I don't know what you. I don't like the word control. Some gun reform, I think, is another issue that could really help New Mexico. And I know there's a lot of elected officials who are really on board with with this idea as well.
0: Thank you, Desiree and B. Uh, in what ways do race, culture, and economics impact the data?
5: So one of the things is what we're seeing is in these numbers that we're getting. On a national level and locally, um, some of them don't include our native Native American populations, and so I think we're missing a very big gap in that um, category. And how can we better help them if we don't know how many are we're actually losing? And so that's one thing that we really need to improve on is getting those statistics and getting that data from the different reservations.
4: Thank you. And then B mentioned um, the lack of rural rural care, and for people who, indigenous people, or people who are out in rural areas, that may not, you know, they may not have access because of economic conditions to be able to to drive into Albuquerque to be seen by a psychiatrist. So I think that's one of the prohibitive factors, but I know that UNM Behavioral Health has worked to try to get telehealth in place, and that could be a real help to someone to be able to get some help that way i just want to take a moment to thank you very much for the work that you're doing
0: especially for our state for new mexico and nationally too thank you thank you what kind of support do we need to see more for suicide prevention
5: i think um just we need more hospitals we need more beds we need better access so if somebody's in that behavioral health crisis where do we take them What do we do? You know, we have the mobile crisis team here in Albuquerque. That's amazing. They're doing amazing work. But we need a few more of those. That way we can get them the services they need right now and determine, yes, do we need to keep them on a hold? Do we need it? What do we need to do? We also need to have, let's say, walk-in services so you don't have to wait months to get into a counselor, a therapist, or anything like that. So,
4: I think another issue is... Um, that we don't treat mental health the same way they that we do physical health. And really, someone who is wanting to take their life, it's the emotional equivalent of cancer or diabetes. So I think part of the support, part of what we need, is for people to tell their stories so that we can make um, mental health just as equitable as it is as physical health here in our state. Thank you. I agree with you, Desiree. We
0: should treat mental health. Uh, mental illness, just like any other disease. What are some of the events and campaigns happening that we should know about?
5: Currently, we just had our big out of the darkness walk yesterday, but we still have events coming up. We have on Thursday night, we have, it's called a food fight and the funds raised for that will go to AFSP, but it's also a good way to talk about Um, suicide and how we can relate to it and from different industries so these are local cooks that come out and challenge each other and then Saturday we have a walk in Las Cruces we have another walk in Clovis the following weekend the 28th and then we have our last walk
4: October 12th in Farmington And then another event that's coming up is the International Survivors of Suicide Loss Day. Um, This is an important day for survivors to come together from all across the state to watch a film, to be with other survivors, because support groups are also not so available in rural areas. We have the survivors of suicide here in Albuquerque. We have a a chapter in Santa Fe, and there is a group in Las Cruces, but that's another need. Um, But anyway, that day is always the, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, And it's a very healing day for people. And I also wanted to mention that there is a youth training that will take place at Albuquerque High, which is on and it'll be on Election Day. So we are always wanting to add more youth who are willing to share their voice and help to empower their peers about breaking the stigma and silence of mental illness and suicide. And that will be on Election Day. Thank you.
0: Where can people go to find more information about suicide prevention? And where can our listeners get information on your organizations?
5: So you can go like us on Facebook, New Mexico Chapter for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Instagram, we're on there, AFSP underscore New Mexico. Or you can go to AFSP.org and go under
4: Chapters and we'll be under New Mexico.
0: Is there anything else?
4: Um, Well, I can give our our website, too. Mm -hmm. It's uh, breakingthesilencenm.org, and there are events and trainings and, and information about what's going on throughout New Mexico schools. So take a look. Is there anything else you would like to add? I think just the recognition that there's nothing more painful than losing someone to suicide. And if we can all be sharing stories and doing the work, there's so many different nonprofits and agencies around our state that are doing good work. I guess I just want to acknowledge that 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 is happening and people are being able to share their voice. And so I have much gratitude for people who do this work.
5: And I also think um, you're going to be giving out the crisis numbers. You know, take out your phones now. Get the numbers in your phones, because that's an easy way to reach out for help. Thank you,
0: Desiree and B, for being here with us. But also thank you for using your stories, sharing your stories to help other people who might be suffering this disease. Thank you. It was an honor for me to interview both of you. Thank you for being with Generation Justice. We appreciate you. Thank you. For Generation Justice, I'm Barbara Ramirez.
1: Thank you, Desiree Woodland and B. Chavez for joining us today and for informing our community about this important issue and raising awareness. Also, thank you, Barbara, for the interview.
0: If you're in need of emotional support or if you're in crisis, we have some local and national resources that might help. First is the Agora Helpline at 505-277-3013 or 866-HELP-1-N-M. You can also text Text2Talk at 741-741.
1: Anyone can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.
0: In honor of Desiree and this work, we selected a song that speaks of the gratitude of being alive. Here's the John Bias version of Gracias a la Vida, followed by Here Comes the Song by Nina Simone.
1: The music that has been chosen today is really touching all of our hearts. Now, we introduce our newest series, GJ Travels. This helps to chronicle some of the travel experiences GJ and other youth leaders have had. Tonight, we feature our very own youth producer, Peter Wing.
0: Peter is a recent graduate of St. Pius High School. He's currently a freshman at Colorado State University, where he's studying interdisciplinary liberal arts and anthropology.
1: Now, media justice intern Lily Lukau speaks with GJ member Peter Wing about his most recent travels to Vietnam and South Korea.
6: This is Lily Lukau with Generation Justice and today I'm speaking with Peter Wing, a GJ youth producer. Peter, welcome back to Generation Justice. Hello, Lily. (laughs) Please share with us more about yourself.
2: I am Peter Wing. I've been with DJ for almost a year. Um, This upcoming August, I'll be going to college, and it's going to be my last summer with DJ, Um, unfortunately. Uh, I'm 17 years old, and yeah.
6: Great. Thank you so much. Can you tell us about your most recent travels?
2: So my most recent travels, so this um, past month in uh, June, all of June actually, I went to um, two Asian countries, Vietnam and South Korea. Um, They were both very different countries. One that with my most of where most of my family live in now And the other being a really modern Asian country, I guess, like Japan. So it was a really, it was a really, um, opening experience to see, uh, go visit two vastly different countries in, uh, one trip.
6: Um, that's awesome, Peter. Thank you so much for sharing. Which one was the more modern one and which country was the one that your family was from?
2: So where I'm, where my family's from is, uh, Vietnam, that's where uh, most of my family live in now. They live into the southern part, in uh, some in the city called Ho Chi Minh City, but some people call it Saigon uh, for historical reasons. Um, the The rest of them live in the nearby the Mekong River in the Mekong River Delta and like the towns and villages out there. Um, South Korea is uh, is the modern one I visited. It is, like, really modern, like, the skyscrapers are, like, so, like, um, like, astoundingly tall. They're, like, they rival that of, like, New York's, uh, Chicago's, Japan, uh, Tokyo's.
6: So you went to both Korea and Vietnam. What are some lessons you learned during this time in both or separately in each?
2: Uh, so in Vietnam, it was, at first, it was hard to adjust, like, to the really different lifestyle they had there in the city i was like in a ho chi minh city it was like easy to adjust to because i usually like i, I live in country, so it was like it wasn't that big of a deal it was just like a city in an asian country so it was just it wasn't that hard but when i visited my family in the countryside it was a really different experience i had to just to like different things and like i don't know it's like vietnam is like a really different country like the traffic there is like crazy. It's like India, <laughs> and um, there's a lot of street food. And it's and in the city, it's always crowded. About in the countryside, it's like uh, calm. It's humid. It's like in the jungle. Um, and of course, there's a lot of mosquitoes, which I which really bother me. And um, it was a really eye opening experience to see like and to see how my family, where my family came from. And understand like where, like what friend they hung out with, or like where they went to school, or where where they shopped and stuff like that. In uh, Korea, I didn't learn as much because I didn't spend as much time as there as in Vietnam. Um, what I saw was like seemed like ultra modern. There was so much technology everywhere, especially with like the Korean companies like Samsung and LG and um what i noticed there is like a lot of people were on their phones walking down the street all the time and i was like thinking to myself i was like if we were like that how would society be like what would america be like um i just felt like personally out of the two i liked um felt more comfortable with vietnam because it's not as fast-paced but it was like interesting to like see how two different countries were. One being like really modern and like rich, while the other one being like not so poor, but like uh but there there were like a lot of more poor people in Vietnam because it is a poor country. And um what I saw on some of the streets was like some disabled people or, like, um, some people without hands or fingers or, like, some distorted faces. And I thought to myself, well, it's, like, makes me, like, a little grateful that I live in uh, America instead of Vietnam because of the political um, government there. And my parents tell me how, like, very little freedom they have because of the communism's censorship of, like, people's rights and the freedom of speech, and etc. But I also felt like a little grateful to be here. So
6: yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Peter. So you were mentioning the political structure there. What is the political structure of both Korea and Vietnam, um, rather South Korea and Vietnam? And how is it same or different from the US ideals of democracy? I know you already touched on it a little bit. but
2: So in South Korea, I don't know much about it. But I felt like it's a lot like america in um with an asian twist as you could say so i guess the government there's really like democratic there in vietnam it's like ruled by a communism government it only has one party they say in vietnam is like a socialist republic but it operates on like the principles of communism so
6: thank you so much um, how was the U.S. and U.S. policy seen or perceived in Vietnam and South Korea?
2: In South Korea, I feel like because of the history of the Cold War and stuff, which I'm not going to get into much detail, but like, I feel like America and South Korea are really like friendly towards each other. And um, I looked up like, oh, why South Korea was so modern, and it was because the U.S. like helped them after the Cold like. I think, I don't remember if it was during or after the Cold War, but they helped the the South Koreans during the Cold War with the war for North Korea. And so later on, as time passed by, as America America was, like, like settled there, I guess, uh, Korea, like, adopted its American policies and started, like, build on it. So I guess that's why it seems kind of, like, so American, but also so Asian at the same time. And uh, Vietnam, I don't know what the relations are like now, but, like... I feel like because America's democratic, Vietnam's communist, it's like really two really different things in South Vietnam. I feel like people are okay with Americans, but I feel like in the north, where like the capital is, and where communism is more stronger, according to my parents, um they feel like the, a lot of the old people don't really like Americans because of the past history of Vietnam War and stuff.
6: That's so interesting. I didn't know most of that. Thank you so much for sharing, Peter. In what ways do you feel like you have changed since your time abroad?
2: I felt like family is important, even though personally I don't like my family sometimes. <laughs> um, I felt like you, ha- you have to like spend time with your family because it's valuable, but also like be grateful of what you have. And also I feel like the the more you travel, the more you know about the world out there it, like, really opens my eyes and anyone else that, like, travels. So I feel like going out of the country is a great experience, even though a lot of people say it's, like, expensive or they can't afford it or some other reason.
6: Thank you. Why was this trip important to you and to your family?
2: For my family, it was really important because every time we go to Vietnam, they always are so happy and so grateful to see their family, like, all the time. Um... I always see how like overjoyed they are when they meet their like sisters and brothers and, and I see get to see my aunts and uncles and grandpas and grandmas. Um I thought it was like really valuable time for them. And yeah.
6: Great, thank you. What was the most memorable place you went or saw?
2: <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the most memorable place I saw was this place in Korea called Nami Island. It was a really unique... It was like an... I thought it would be an island off the sea. But when we went there, was like an island in the middle of the river. So we had to take a cruise to go there for like five minutes. And we went on there. I just thought the trees were really like... It was like a nice... It was like a gigantic... A mini gigantic forest on the island. I thought it was really nice. And see to like... Just like stroll by, take in the relaxation nature has to offer... And there was also a lot of Korean antique shops we enjoyed a lot. Um, There was also one, there were like a couple monuments dedicating to um, a Korean drama that my grandma liked a lot. So we took a bunch of pictures of that. And we also saw like some quirky Korean things like uh, um, a gallery of nude statues. And uh, yeah.
6: That's awesome, Peter. Thank you. What is the most important lesson you learned from your travels?
2: Honestly, I feel like the most important thing to learn from travel is just, like, be open and just take in the moment. Just, like, you don't have to, like, um, be so, like, um, structured to where you're planning to. And just, like, take off. Uh, You don't have to always go to those touristy places. Like, if you take off the beaten path, or, like, just to talk with someone you know. I feel like it's also kind of great. And, um, and I always thought, dreamed, thought when we travel, we always have to go to those great places. But after going to Vietnam and Korea, I feel like we could also go to those other places that people don't know much, especially in Vietnam, where my parents and my family knew a lot. I felt like that was great too. So, yeah.
6: Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
2: I like to say that if for anyone traveling to Asia, like just like a warning, it's going to be a grueling one day trip there. It takes 14 hour, like more than 14 hours to fly from here to um, anywhere in Asia. So just like prepare yourself for the long airline rides.
6: <laughs> Thank you so much, Peter. Um, for just coming and talking with us about your trip and your experience. I just thought it was really touching how you um, got to experience such very different sides of such a modern society and also this countryside where your family lives. Um, It seemed like that was such a wonderful experience for you to have, and I really appreciate you sharing that with all of us. For Generation Justice, I'm Lily Lukau.
0: Peter, thank you very much for sharing your great experiences with us. The time you spend with your family sounds so special. And thank you to Lily Lucao for such an amazing interview.
1: Thank you again, Peter, for sharing your amazing experiences. Peter, we thought this song would be fun to listen to after your experience. Here is Tuichis Hello Vietnam.
0: Welcome back to Generation Justice. It's time for our community calendar. Our calendar hosts tonight are Bianca Mitchell and Carlos
3: Martinez. Thank you, Barbara. Hi, I'm Bianca Mitchell, one of your calendar hosts.
7: And I'm Carlos Martinez. Let's get started with our calendar of events. What's up first, Bianca?
3: You know about the planet Earth, right? Yeah. Well, climate change is happening right now, this second.
7: Is there a way we can stop that? Is there anything we can do locally?
3: Heck yeah. This Friday, September 20th, there's an event coming up with Fight for Our Lives and 24 community and national organizations, including GJ.
7: It's all happening at Robinson Park on and Central downtown, from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. This event kicks off a week of climate-related community events.
3: There will be a march and rally with tons of amazing speakers. Follow Fight for Our Lives or 350 New Mexico on Facebook.
7: Hey, 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 don't forget about the Junk Junk event, where you can plug.
3: What's that?
7: Go look it up. Just kidding. It is where you jog and pick up junk. It's one way we can help. The junk jog will be from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Saturday, September 21st at the National Hispanic Cultural Center.
3: This event is a part of the International Week of Climate Action. Find out more by visiting climatestrikeabq.com.
7: We should do a gathering. But what for? How about the Gathering for Mother Earth from September 26th to September 29th? It's part of the celebration for the 30-year anniversary of Tewa Women United.
3: Everyone is welcome to attend the 23rd annual Gathering for Mother Earth to honor and protect Mother Earth's water. It takes place at multiple locations. For more info, visit teewawomanunited.org.
7: It was fun to be here for my first time on Radio Bianca.
3: It was fun talking to you, Carlos. Welcome to Generation Justice.
1: Thank you very much, Bianca and Carlos, for informing us about these events.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank our guests Desiree Woodland, MB Chavez, and Peter Nguyen.
1: Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Kateri Zuni and Roberta Rael. And thank you to our interviews, interviewers, Barbara Ramirez and Lili Lukau, and our calendar hosts, Bianca Mitchell and Carlos Martinez. We also thank Nicole Beatty for production assistance.
0: We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners.
1: Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud and iTunes.
0: We're also Active on social media, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Generation Justice is funded by W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the Con Alma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate.
0: Generation Justice would like to remind you that this program was broadcast on stolen indigenous land.
1: Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last songs of the night include Vivir Mi Vida by Mark Anthony, followed by Who Am I by Why Don't We, and Dear Future Generations, Sorry by Prince EA. I am Saïd Alejandro Alquercio
0: And I'm Barbara Ramirez. Coming up on KUNM is spoken word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock.
1: Buenas noches. O Good night.
7: I think I speak
1: for the rest of us when I say, sorry. Sorry we left you with our mess of a planet. Sorry that we were too caught up in our own doings to do something. Sorry we listened to people who made excuses to do nothing. I hope you forgive us. We just didn't realize how special the earth was. Like a marriage gone wrong, we didn't know what we had until it was... Gone.